Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Today, I want to start a series with you. It's going to be a three-week series, okay? So we're going to go ahead and start it. It's called Heal Our Land. And we know what scripture this probably comes from. We all know, we hear people quote a certain scripture all the time, but we're going to break this down over three weeks of what it really means. How do we walk it out? How do we pray it? What does it mean to us? Okay? So, let's go ahead and look at it. Second Chronicles 7, 12 through 14 says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut the heavens... So pay attention to this now. He says, so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land. So things are going on. They have no rain in the land. There's locusts devouring. And he said, and send a pestilence among the people. That means like a disease among the people. He said, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So God is speaking to Solomon here because the people was in devastation. First of all, there's no rain. You know, if there's no rain, you don't have any crops. But rain represents on a spiritual end of uh, change and the Holy Spirit. So basically, they was living with no renewal, and they had no change. It's just like, is this thing going to end? And it represents the Holy Spirit for us in a moment of renewal to have rain. Not to have rain represents no renewal, no change, okay? No spirit. And then he said the next thing was the locusts. The locusts uh, were devouring their crops. It actually represents destruction and devastation in their land. What does, what's devouring us today, uh, even among our nation, even in our world? We look, of course, there's a huge, huge addiction to drugs, and that epidemic going on, and, and it's destroying our people. It, it's destruction. That's not the only thing. The family unit is being attacked every day. Because we accept whatever the world's doing. We just accept it. And we shouldn't. We should stand up for what's right. And we've never seen sexual immorality like it is today. Uh, and, and what do you mean by sexual immorality? There's all kinds of ways of sexual sin. And what do you mean by that? Is first of all, you know, if you're shacked up, you should get married. You should. You should get married. That's wrong before the eyes of God. There should be no sexual, uh, as you call it, intercourse or whatever, when it comes to just being shacked up, there's got to be married. It's got to come under the covenant of God, okay? And then you have fornication. It means viewing things or doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And those are in, in that way. But then also, here's one that everybody's like, why do they only preach on this? We don't. We don't just preach on that. But homosexuality is sin as well. It's sexual sin. And there's not such thing as, same, in God's word, same-sex marriage. It's against everything God has. So this is the thing I have for you. I mean, God's not called you to be an adulterer. God's not called you to be a homosexual, and he's not called you to be a fornicator, okay? And those are sexual sins, and that has decayed the family unit in our nation and in our lives. But we have allowed it to become acceptable to the way we view things. Well, it's just the way it is, and that's just the way it's got to be, but these are things we shouldn't be doing. So we see that, and the family unit's broken. But then... Solomon, God spoke to me about the pestilence. And of course, no doubt he's bringing it up, and pestilence is like a disease. And it was something that would come upon the people, and it would afflict the people, much like COVID-19 is today. So we're looking at a nation that needs renewal, and our land right here in 
Logan, West Virginia, we need a renewal. We need the reign of God. We need destruction to end. We need our families back. We need to make it known that you can't have a godly life and a godly marriage. And you can't wait until marriage to, for, for any sexual action. And then we see pestilence among the people. This is COVID-19. We've never seen anything like this on the earth. And I believe God is calling us, as he did Solomon, listen, y'all need to call to me. Solomon, no doubt, was making a note. God, we, we have no rain. We have locusts devouring everything. And, and we have pestilence among the people. We have this people dying. And so many things are taking place. And God says, I'm telling you, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. He said, if they'll just, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, come to me. He said, I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. That word or phrase, heal our land or heal the land, means this, to cure, to make whole, and healer of humanity or healer of man. So to cure, no doubt, is a spiritual application. To make whole, I can't help to think that is the emotions of people. That is their, their bodies to be made whole as well, but also homes and marriages to be made whole. And then the healer of man touching our physical body. So heal our land even means our national hurts, our individual distresses. And heal our land covers all issues that humanity would ever have. So God wants to heal our spiritual lives. He wants to heal our destructive and devastating lives as well. And God wants to heal and deliver us out of all of these things and diseases that come upon us. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at this. And today, we are going to be focused on my people. So what does God mean by if my people which are called by my name? What does he mean by that phrase? So that's what we'll be looking at today. But next week, we'll be looking at humble ourselves, pray, seek the face of God. Third week, what does it mean for the turn from our wicked ways? The turn from our wicked ways. What does that mean? But today, let's look at called by my name. What does God mean? when he's telling us that we are called by his name. Well, I begin to look at that in the Hebrew. Called by my name means God's reputation and character. So God is saying, if my people, which are called by my name, by my reputation, and by my character, well, we can just pass that up really quick. But that's a lot deeper than what you think. You may have a really good reputation, but there's some things you can't change. You may have an incredible character. But you're limited because you're humanity. Amen. But here God is saying that you're called by my name, my reputation, and my character. And the people of God that carry the character and reputation of God is, uh, is more powerful than what we give credit. So let's just take a moment. Let's expound on God's reputation and character just for a moment. All right? So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? Yes. We see it in Scripture. Especially after this verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 7 that we see, or chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 14, we see that God shows up in such a way that he heals their land, everything's changed, and he's perpetually with them. He says, I will continually dwell with you. So that was in the temple of God then, but now the temple's not a building, the temple is us. Amen. 
that God continually wants to dwell in us and have relationship with us and to live in us. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way he responded to the cries of his people during Solomon's day is that he was faithful to hear their cry. He does hear our prayers from heaven. So he is faithful to do that. So his whole character is this. Who is God? Well, he's the redeemer, restorer. He's the healer, rescuer. He's a constant reminder to us that he will always do what he says he will do. In other words, we don't have to worry. The Bible tells us that not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself when we seek him first and we live in relationship with God, that he will take away our worry, that we can just live in the day and focus upon God and live in that relationship. And, and then we see in Scripture we don't have to have fear, that God is a remover, remover of fear in our lives. Well, what do you mean by that? When God shows up on the scene, fear cannot stand against him. Anxiety, same thing. The, the Bible tells us we don't have to be anxious because we can be in his presence. And anxiety does not have to overtake our lives. And we don't have to wrestle through all these things in the world on our own because we have the promise of God, the character and reputation that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God did not bring you to this point today for you to fail. Well, God's just here. He's just going to treat me today. He's going to bring me here and make me feel good and just leave me hanging. No, that's what humanity would do. That's what the enemy would do. But God said, listen, I'm always there and working in your life. The very God who made us and set us free from sin and defeat uh, and tried to defeat us is the very God who will miraculously heal our land. Our land is so many things. It is our personal lives. It's our homes. It's our families. We need healing there. It's our community. We need healing right here in our region, in our community, our land in America. That, that, speaking of that, it's talking about our state. It's talking about our world is our land. His power is limitless and reigns over all. You mean God, he doesn't have a limit to, I'm telling you, the only, thing, the only person that can limit God and the only people that can limit God is us. God is not limited. We may limit him in our thinking. We may limit him in our prayers. We may limit him in how we decree and declare things and what we live out in life. But God is an unlimited God. See, we are the people of God who carry God's reputation that never fails, who's never lost a battle. So what does it look like to respond and live out God's reputation? I want to look again in Chronicles, but 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And I want us to look at this just for a little bit. But we see people that knows the times here. And he said, and the children of Issachar, we've read this before. You might have seen this a lot in your life. It says, the children of Issachar, men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Understanding the time is having discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. They had a discernment. They had a wisdom. They had a knowing and a knowledge of how to operate in the time they live in. Well, what's the time we're living in today, Pastor? I'll tell you, the Bible describes it as perilous times, which means hard times, difficult times. Difficult on so many levels. We know that. We're living that. We're seeing it. And I was thinking this morning on the way here about when Israel became a nation in the 40s, in the late 40s. And we know that Israel became a nation. That is, uh, when they became a nation, it's one of the biblical prophecies that we see that this generation won't pass when this begins to happen. In other words, you know, the people that was born in that time frame. That in that time frame that 
the end times would be here and that Christ would come for what we would call, a, it's a coming, but not the second coming, but it's a coming as far as that he actually meets us in the air for those that are ready to be called up with him. I believe with all my heart, as we're living that day and time, God see it has a wonderful work he wants to do in the earth. Amen. What does that look like? God is such a big God, he can get a work done as quick as he wants. We can't limit him how long. Well, what do you mean? Three years, five years? I don't know. But I will tell you this, God can get a work done as quick as he wants. Yeah. See, when I study out scripture, I, I really see that God see it has awakened and revival. And yes, the Bible says there'll be a great falling away, which is talking about truth. Not just people leaving the church, but truth as well. People just, like, as far as they just don't want to believe the truth. They would rather believe a lie. We see so much scripture on those things that they just don't want truth for their life. And you see it today in the church. People try to evade things I have already mentioned today because they want everybody to feel good. And don't get me wrong, we need to bring grace to people, but Jesus and God, they always brought grace, but then they would bring truth. Grace to bring you in. It's just like when you loved your kid and you know they've messed up and, and, and you, you let them know, hey, I love you, but here's the truth, okay? This is why we can't do this. That's what God does when he comes in our life is he gives us grace, but then he says, listen, you can't go on living your life that way. And I'm going to give you just not grace to be a right relationship with me, but I'm going to give you grace to continue to live out the call of God and the purpose of God in your life to overcome things and to be empowered to live out the truth of God under his grace. So I believe the called are those that know the times. And I believe every one of us here today would say, man, we can tell these times are here. People ask me all the time about the end times. Some of you I see post about the end times. And, and I believe that God see it wants to do a great awakening and a great revival in the last days. I believe we've seen some moments of this. But when you look at how Scripture would play out the harvest and how we would study it out, the day of Pentecost from there on in the early church, we would call that the former rain. The former rain was to cover all the fields when they was planting and they was farming to prepare to sow seed. And that was like the former rain. It's like everything got hit. But when it was the latter rain, it was different. There would just be pockets of scattered and isolated storms. It wouldn't be like a big storm covering everything. And where it would hit, greater harvests would come forth. I believe that the former rain has happened, but then there's still a latter rain that has been happening in times and moments, but I still believe God still yet has latter rain for us, uh, bringing forth great harvests in pockets and places. It may not cover the earth like the former rain, because it described the early apostles as these are they that turned the world upside down. Because God moved in such an impactful way and hundreds and thousands were being saved just at one time. They didn't have microphones and they did not have buildings and equipment, but they would just go and thousands would just get saved at one time. So it's hard for me to believe that God would do something in our time or be up to something and not let us on the inside of knowing it. You know, there's times I know what Kristen is thinking and same with me. There, there's times like I know she say, hey, we should go out to eat or do this or go somewhere or go to Charleston. But I'll come in, I'll look. I'm like, you don't feel like going, do you? It's because I just know. We've been, we're in a relationship of knowing. God has never had a season or time where the people of God did not have a know. He lets us in when time's near. He's letting people know today that, yes, 
The rapture of the church could happen. We don't know the day or hour according to Scripture, but we have this urgency of that, but also an urgency that God is moving and wanting to do something incredible in people's lives. And the sons of Issachar were men with the relationship of God, the call of God, and carrying God's reputation and character that they knew what God was doing in the time. And, and, and it's very obvious that these men were in tune for the purpose of God and what to do. And so much that we refer to them a lot. But in the context of what was taking place in this moment of the scripture is a period of time when David was hiding from King Saul. King Saul was pursuing David to kill him. Because David was killing his tens of thousands, Saul was killing his thousands, and people celebrated David. And God already let Saul know, listen, your, your time's about done. I've sought me out a man after my own heart. He's like, oh man, that's David. So I, if I kill him, then I can be king longer. So he goes on a hunt for David, and, and he forms this coop of men uh, uh, just trying to go after him. But David went into hiding. You know, he didn't go in hiding because he was running from God. There comes times that God will, what I would call, put us in a protection place as the church. And when it's time for us to be prepared and to come out, we will. And that's with awakening. That's with revival. That's with the rapture of the church. When it's God's timing, then that will come forth. So I look at this as a type and shadow of the day and time that we're living in. Here's David. He goes into hiding. And I believe the world just, just keep living the life that it's living. With, by their own passions and their own desires. And they're like, you know, I guess this whole church thing isn't real. But I believe that God has a sons of Issachar. And he has a David generation that it looks like that they're in hiding. But there was a time that David came out and they all met at Hebron and all these thousands of people began to gather and then they went to war. And of course we know Saul fell on his own sword and David became king. So during this time of exile, men began coming over to join David in different moments. You had the tribe of Benjamin who was Saul, Saul's own relatives begin to leave him. They're like, Saul's our blood. It don't matter if he's our blood. We're seeing something different taking place. So we're not going to allow that bloodline of this world to keep us attached. But we're going to go over here to where God is moving us. So it wasn't just the sons of Issachar having a knowing, but it was the tribe of Benjamin. But also you had even the tribe of Manasseh had joined with David. And, and you can read all about this in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. But day after day, men came to David and they helped. And they came to help in a place called Ziklag. And if the sons of Issachar knew the times, one might assume that they first, they would be the first to join David, but they wasn't. In fact, they wasn't even as big as the other people. And this is what really speaks to me about them. They were not the first. They weren't in the first group. There was only 200 of them. But every other tribe of Israel and all the tribes that began to join with David was made up of thousands. Looked like they was more credible and they were bigger, but yet this group that seemed like it was insignificant to the times still yet knew the times and came forward and they began to join with David. So many, you would see thousands join in a moment. You would see 200 men, though, from Issachar join far after these others of thousands at a place called Hebron. David being in a hidden place, though, God was going to bring him out at a certain place because he was going to be the lineage 
And out of his lineage would be the Messiah, Christ, would be born, our Savior. Because many times when they would yell for Christ, or they, they would say, Thou, Son of David, have mercy upon me. We see that with the story of blind Bartimaeus. That they would cry out because from the lineage of David, and David being such a prophetic piece of Scripture to bring forth Christ. But yet, as in a type and shadow of this, we see that David being hidden for a moment, then all of a sudden, yet preserved to keep the lineage of Christ, just like the people of God are being preserved until that great day of rapture takes place, that we meet him with the air and forever to be with the Lord. Now, there's a lot more teaching after that that I can't get into today, but they were not the first to join him. But Saul's reign had run its course. Saul was out of touch with God like so much of this world we see today is just out of touch with God. They don't see all these things happening. I'm like, man, you know, it's just happening. It's just what we're living with. No, we're looking at some biblical things happening today that we see that we can read in Scripture. And we see the sons of Issachar believe that it was a time for change. And I believe that we see that there must be a time for change for us as the people of God. The number of the sons of Issachar who joined David, as we know, is 200. But what about the people before them? 120,000 from Reuben, 50,000 from Manasseh. Zebulun had 40,000, Asher 1,000 captains, 37,000 men from another tribe with shield and spears, and then even Dan brought forth 28,600 people. And they all came to Hebron, which means in the Hebrew, a place of association, a place of the league. This is what we would call the kingdom of God. That they were all meeting in this place to go to war for a destined time. Just like God has called us to go to war. You think this is the only church having a message like this today across the whole world. No, there's so many churches probably using the same scripture, talking on the same thing, because God just doesn't give us inside and not everyone else. So he was bringing out different tribes and places, and they was from afar. But they all begin to gather at this one place. And though we may not be able to gather physically at one place, we still are gathering for the kingdom purpose all over the world. So that's pretty incredible when you begin to think about it. So what's the big deal about 200 men, and they're some of the last people to join David? Why does Scripture say of them and not anyone else and makes a deal about them knowing the times? I see it as this, that these men, yes, they discerned the times. No, they wasn't the first, but God's showing us, no matter how insignificant or small that you may feel, or how long out of the loop you feel like you have been, that God says there's still yet time. For you to know the times. See, some people disqualify themselves pretty quick on knowing the times. They begin to disqualify themselves really quick. And we need to know that our land is in need of healing. But in order to know that, God thought it was very important to let them know that the people that's called by my reputation and the people that's called by my character... He said, I'm bringing, I, I want to bring healing, but I want you also to identify that you are part of a great character of God and the reputation of God. Well, who is that to you today? Well, first of all, he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that rescues us from sin. He's a God that also brings healing to our bodies and our mental health. And more than anything, spiritually, he, he heals our lives by the blood of the Lamb. So we need to know that Land is in need of healing, the land in which we live. See, God often works through what we would call the least or the smallest or the most unlikely. Who would ever think that in Logan, West Virginia, that God could bring the great revival? 
I believe this last day outpouring is going to hit pockets just like this of people that's hungry, of people that's thirsty. I told him in the 9 o'clock service this morning, I said, I try not to box God in and envision what it may look like because I don't want to box him in and limit him in what he does. But I want to keep my heart steady after him so that I will be ready for the outpouring he wants to do in my life. And lastly today, how do we walk out the call of God on our lives as his people in a day where the land needs to be healed? Somebody has to lead the way. Somebody has to engage with God. God's just not calling this church to do it. He's calling many people, kingdoms, many tribes, many places to do the same. I would word it this way. We need to join up with God. What do you mean by that? This can look different for everybody. Maybe today you need to give your heart to the Lord so that it looks different for you than the person that may be right where they need to be with God. But then some people, God may be calling deeper. So there's so many different angles to which God's calling us to be. But we need our land healed. It don't matter what direction, who comes in first, or second or third. All it matters is that we discern the times and that we need to gather and we need to join God in his work. We need God to heal our land. John 5 and 17 in verses 19 and 20 says this, But Jesus said to them, My father never stops working, and so I keep working too. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing alone. The son does only what he sees the father doing. Now notice that. He only does what he sees the Father doing. He can see it because the Son does whatever the Father does. The Father loves the Son and shows the Son all the things he himself does. But the Father will show the Son even greater things than this so that you can all be amazed. Now, this verse tells us a few things, that God never stops working. You mean in the midst of this, he's still working? You better believe it. He's still working. He's not forsaken us. He's not left us, but he's still working. He's always working. The next thing is Jesus, who we are to be imitators of him according to Scripture and walk in the likeness that he did before God. He said, I join my Father in what I see him doing. I know that he's working. He's always working, but when I see him doing it here, then I just join him and I go with him. Jesus said, I do nothing of my own. Everything I do is of the Father. Today, we need to drop our agendas and drop what we are doing on our own because it's obvious that when we do it of our flesh and our own, it doesn't work. But God is showing us that he's moving. And a lot of us are just like the sons of Issachar. We are still discerning the times, and we are wise enough, and we got knowledge enough. Now is the time to join him because why? The Father loves us. God's been active in the world since the beginning. And for Jesus, the revelation and invitation from the Father happened when he began to see him at work. So he gave, it was like an invitation. He's like, son, when you see me working, it's an invitation. When you see God working, you might as well join him because that's his invitation. You see me working, you might as well join him. Jesus never guessed on what he had to do. And God's not left us in a guessing situation. That should encourage you today. God's not left us in a guessing situation. There's times that we make guesses at what we're going to do. 
well, what do you mean? Well, I, well, this looks good and that looks good. I don't know. Tomato, tomato. You know, that's what our culture says. Do one or the other. Whatever. With God, there's never that. It's always there moving right in front of us. Listen to this today. When Christ reveals what he's doing, we need to adjust our lives, our plans, and our goals to him. Well, that doesn't sound significant. It should because a lot of times when God's moving, we say, God, will you adjust what you're doing with my schedule? Will you adjust what you're doing with my lifestyle? God, come on. This is just, this is not a big deal. I know your word is against it. It's not a big deal. But God's saying, I'm really wanting to do something. Sometimes that means our flesh has to be inconvenienced. Sometimes that might mean even our schedule has to be inconvenienced. Sometimes in the middle of pain and perilous times, it's hard to understand, but we have to keep our focus on God. We are to place our lives at his disposal, at his work, and so we can accomplish the purposes of God. See, God has every right to be these things in your life, the initiator, the, thing, the God that starts things in your life. But let me tell you what God starts and what he births in you, he always finishes, and he always sustains. God has the right to be the focus of everything in your life. Just not Sunday, just not the beginning of the week, but also in your morning and your afternoon and night that you're mindful of him. And when he says, listen, I just want to talk to you a little bit that you'll just slow down in your day and just know that your day is going to go better if you'll just slow down and meditate upon him. God has every right to be the director of your life. He is moving right before us. In this moment, you know, I know that God's speaking and he's leading us on knowing that he wants to heal our land. Sometimes that means we've got to adjust our lives. We've got to allow him to change things that needs to be changed. Isaiah 46 and 11 says this. God speaking says, I've spoken. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. What God initiates in you, you need to allow God to do in your life. Because he has a plan work everything to the good in your life, no matter where you stand and what's going on. See, there needs to be a hunger from our end to be part of the working of God. And that doesn't just mean church things. That means just in your daily life, in your business, with your employment, with your family, in your home. We should be encouraged by that. Kristen asked me the other night at 11.30, if you know me, I'm a very morning person, happy guy in the morning. I get grumpy as the day goes, I'm just honest. I confess, it's good to confess, right? Some confess, some grumpy as the day goes. So especially late at night, I'm just like dead tired. She said, I need you to watch this 14 and a half minute video. My eyes pop open. You know, you don't want to end the day bad. Sure, babe, but can I floss, brush my teeth while I watch it and listen? She said, sure. I was like, hallelujah. That's a win. So I said, yes. So I sat down beside her and I began to watch it. I did not get up. I did not move for 14 and a half minutes because it caught me. It was 20 years ago about this day. Of course, 9-11 happened and one of the biggest attended 
Sundays ever in history was the day after 9-11, the very Sunday after that. And one of the lowest attended Sundays of history was the Sunday after that. For one week, people was concerned. That quickly, they quit joining God. They're passionate for these things. But in that video, Billy Graham, speaking from D.C., talked about how united our nation was. We were. But some outside force that attacked us, so it was easy to come together. But now the devil has gotten really smart with it. Now he attacks us from within and gets all this hatred. We are more divided than we ever have been. Seeing racism, we should never see racism. What a sin to be racist and make difference. Knowing that, then you got the mask and the unmasked. You know, I'm going to love you no matter the color of your skin, no matter what your background is, no matter what your sin has been, I'm going to love you. Whether you're masked, unmasked, vaccinated, unvaccinated, here you go, let me throw it out there. I'm going to love you and I'm going to treat you very well, whether you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, I'm going to love you. Why? Because that's what God would do. But what's happened in our nation and even in the church that we throw so much what we would call today shade and hate at all these things. And we are just deteriorating from the inside. Not just inside of a nation, inside of a county, inside of a school or a community, but inside of ourselves. Can I tell you that they may be this, they may identify as that, this color, that color, we're still all God's people and we're all still at the harvest and the people of God created by God, by God, for God, carry out a purpose of the earth. God, let us repent of our evil ways, which we'll talk about in two weeks. But we need God to heal our land. Whether they're in adultery now, whether they're fornicating now, whether they are in addiction now, God, let us love them because they are God's creation. Let's love the people of God. Yes, we come of grace. Doesn't mean that we shy away from the truth. God, heal our land. Remember, we are carrying the reputation of God. Big deal. The character of God. He can do all things. He can heal all of these things. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.